A game that I absolutely love is Minecraft. I enjoy how it feels to be in that world. I can spend hours and hours just exploring, mining, grinding for XP. And my personal favorite is building railways. You see, in Minecraft, exploring can be very costly. The way I play anyway. It takes me a while to find a spot where I feel comfortable. I like to be close to different environments, preferably easy access to the ocean, a mountain or two. I like a nice combination of feeling well contained, but also accessible and having lots of free space. I don't like settlements in the middle of the woods, for example. So as you can imagine, it takes me a while to find a good spot. After settling somewhere, I like to start exploring the surroundings, and when I find something worth it, I like to build a railway to it. That way I can have easy and quick access. And of course, using the nether to move quickly between places is very convenient, and I do that whenever I can, but in order to maximize my range, I always end up building railways in the nether too. The problem with Minecraft is that without anyone to share it, it's pretty lonely and it feels kind of pointless. Podcasting is a bit of a similar case. Making a podcast is a lot of fun by itself, recording and editing and all that. But when on top of that, someone reacts to it, it just feels more complete, purposeful. During our first year or so of Bonus Barrel, we recorded with no particular audience in mind. When we sometimes got comments from friends and acquaintances telling us what they liked or disliked about an episode, that felt pretty good and motivated us to keep going. And after we joined the Carters Club, Bonus Barrel changed a lot for the better, I think. Getting feedback from people who we actually didn't know personally was very encouraging and motivated us to improve and make a better show. But personally, one moment that really changed my perception of our show was something that today's guest said on the CC Weekly podcast in its 17th episode. Like, now let me get into why, because this also came up when I, when I was on with Bill. He was like, man, you're always uh, talking about bonus barrel. I'm like, yeah, I know. I, I, I don't know what happened, but I've thought about it and I know why. I have such an attachment to these guys. Um, you were gone away. You were out at sea. I didn't have you here. GT chat got shut down. G- Pages got shut down. You know who filled that gap? Bonus Barrel, man. <laughs> and like, I got attached to them because they came in a time where I was pretty. I was having a baby. I was going through a lot of, a lot of shit. A lot of stuff. Anyway, so they came in. They're awesome. I don't want to get all emotional. <laughs> I'm not gonna cry. But I it really touched me a lot because I realized that Bonus Barrel was not just the cruise, but also was of the community. In this episode, I have a very interesting conversation with Mark, also known as Player 2 of the Cartridge Bros, where we talk about life, brotherhood, gaming, bonus panel, and the future of the Cartridge Club. I'm Seiji, and this is Bonus Bonus Barrel, episode 11.
I like to start this with a little bit of a word association game. Okay. So I'll say a word and you tell me like the first game that comes to mind. <laughs> cool. <laughs> this sounds great. <laughs> okay. So you ready? Yeah. Let's do it. So the first word is childhood. Mm. I think of Final Fantasy is the first one that comes to mind. Two specifically. Or four, I guess. <laughs> Joy. Hmm, first game I think of. Probably Super Mario World. Love. Ooh. <laughs> um, probably Final Fantasy VII. Hate. Hmm, hate. First, for some reason I thought of Resident Evil, but I don't hate Resident <laughs> Evil. <laughs> Resident Evil, which one? Uh, two specifically, but I don't know why I can't thought of that. Probably because I've been playing Resident Evil Revelations mm-hmm. um, on the Switch, and I uh, I haven't played a horror game in poof mm, a long time. I played the Resident Evil Four version on the Wii. That would have been the last one. Family. Uh, Zelda. Um, specifically the first one. Freedom. Freedom. Um, probably Mario Galaxy. Yeah. Routine. Um, probably like I don't know. I guess Dragon Quest comes to mind. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> the first one. Yeah, actually, I was thinking of Eight for 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 whatever reason, but I think it was just the franchise really that came to my head. Uh, nostalgia. Uh, Final Fantasy Four. And the last one, uh, future. Mm. Um, future. Hmm. I guess Oct- Project Octopath, or sorry, I guess it's just called Octopath Traveler now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> can you tell me your first gaming memory? Um, first gaming memory. It's hard. I remember playing Duck Hunt back before I could even before I could play Mario. It was just easier to shoot a gun at the screen, but uh, than it was to move a character around. But I have very vivid memories of the original Mario. Just, but it's all sporadic, like it's here and there. But the first concrete memory I have, I guess, is uh, of Final Fantasy Two on the Super Nintendo. Final Fantasy Four, I mean, on the Super Nintendo. Yeah, yeah, or yeah, Final Fantasy Two here, which was four. Yeah. In those early, like, hazier memories, mm-hmm. how young do you think you would have been? Um, I was probably three or four. Uh-huh. Yeah, I have a picture of me when I was four with the light gun in my hand, and I was standing right up at the screen shooting those ducks. <laughs> so uh, it's probably that. That is probably my earliest memory would be Duck Hunt, which is funny, but <laughs> <laughs> of all things. Do you remember yourself being alone playing? No, uh, always... In the living room with the family then. Uh, however, my memories with Final Fantasy 2, I either remember with just Sean, my brother, or me alone. Uh, that was the first one, sort of. That was after the TV had moved up to one of our rooms, and so I was playing with one of... We had a smaller TV up in one of our rooms, and that's one, I remember that being the first game I played through all the way. And either sh- I was watching Sean play or I was playing myself, so... Yeah. Do you remember a point in your life where video games were not part of your life or was it just like part of life? 
yeah, it's just always been there. Um, my parents had the NES before I was, well, I guess I, it would have been right after I was born. So before I had memories, they were already playing NES. And the only time I didn't have video games in my life was somewhere in the mid 2000s. And other than that, it's just, yeah, it's always been there. So it's part of the family dynamic. Definitely, definitely. My parents got away from it as time went on. But uh, yeah, in one way or another, it's always been there. And my parents still, we, like, they would still play it. If anytime we were bring it over now, they would still play. That's very interesting. Yeah. So, you're, so you know for a fact that your parents were playing video games before they had you and Sean. Yeah, yep. Yeah, they were. Because um, even when the NES came out, my brother would have only been four or five. And they were playing games like Metroid and stuff before he was even able to comprehend them. And they sort of taught us how to do things until it got to a point where we were teaching them how to do things over time. Uh, but my, I remember my mom bom learning the bomb jump in Metroid and trying to teach us how to do it. And we just couldn't do it. So anytime we had to do it, we had to get her to do it for us. So it's fun having memories like that. And uh, I remember getting lost in the, uh, what are those woods called? Uh, the maze woods in Zelda. Oh my gosh, what's it called? Can't believe I'm drawing a blank. Anyway, and we were all stuck together, and then eventually they ended up having to call the Nintendo hotline. So <laughs> it's cool having a memory like that. <laughs> I was very so, young then. So so this is why the first Zelda has this strong link to your family. Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, great. Definitely. And this is the NES, right? So, yeah, NES, NES, yeah. So you have a lot of memories playing with your parents. And do you do the same with your with your children now? Um, I will when she, she, she's still young. Um, however, she completely recognizes a lot of Nintendo characters now just from seeing them around. Uh, like she knows Yoshi and Luigi and Mario and Bowser now. So she's getting there. Um, but uh, yeah, still she's, she's only turning two next month. So she's not quite ready yet. But uh, I look forward to, yeah, to look forward to introducing her to them. Definitely. Yeah, it's probably developing those first hazy memories. Right? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, my dad had this like, whole <laughs> Nintendo roster around the yeah, house and stuff like right. that. Yeah, that's right. I never yeah. thought of it like that. <laughs> to me, it's the same. Like, games were always there. My dad bought a DNES. Like, it was always there. It was just part of, like, the stove and the blender. And <laughs> yeah, the exactly. Nintendo, the TV. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember I was five when my dad brought home the uh, Super Nintendo. Actually, I, I may have even been, like, 4.9 like I was almost five yeah I'll never forget that day and I knew when I sat down next to Sean that I was automatically going to be Luigi because I was player two I was the younger brother mm -hmm. and and it was this memory that led us to be player one and player two on uh like for our channel that's where it all came from was from that moment when when I sat down and knew I was going to be Luigi without anybody even saying anything <laughs> but how, how did you know Luigi from from before the sprint be from Mario 2 uh, from Mario 1, just from... Or sorry, from Mario... Th I think Mario 3 might have even been out at that point. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I knew from 1, 2, and 3, I had I had a firm grasp of who they were. Um, but it wasn't until, yeah, until I was playing with him, with Super Mario World, that I knew I was going to be him, essentially. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're the younger brother, and you mentioned it a lot. How do you think that affected your early gaming, like... That's a good like that. point. The only reason I got through Final Fantasy four or two, whatever, um, when I was when I first came out, when I was five, and mm -hmm. that is not something I could have done unless I was watching my brother play. So that's how I learned everything about that game. I learned words that I had didn't previously didn't have in my vocabulary at that point because of watching him and asking him when he was playing, "What does this mean?" 
So he was teaching me the mechanics of the game and, and all these different things while I played. So I'm sure that that had an impact on, uh, on, on my uh, tastes and uh, abilities to play things, I guess. And, and Mario was always big in the house, so I'm sure that impacted me too. And to this day, those are still two of my favorite franchises. So yeah, I would say that being the younger brother definitely impacted that. <laughs> did that last for a really long time or, or, or did it come to a point where you no longer like needed that? Yeah, I'm trying to think of when exactly. I remember it would have been around Final Fantasy VI time where he was older. He was, like like I said before, he's older than me, so it's it's about a five-year difference. So he wasn't spending as much time with me as he was with his friends, and it was around that time because he was getting older now. I'm just the younger brother at that point, um, and he's doing older uh, brother things. And it was around Final Fantasy VI that I think we sort of separated in that sense. We would always still play games together, but it wasn't a matter of me sitting there with him watching him play anymore. We were all sort of doing our own thing at that point. But yeah, I'd say it was around that time. It's funny because it's funny when I think back because my memories, I can associate them with games and, and it's hard for me to remember the years, whereas I can remember the games that were out at that time. And it was around Final Fantasy VI time. And we didn't start playing it right away. So I'd say it's probably around like 93 or 94 that... uh we sort of went our own ways, but we still had the same tastes. I was more into uh, platforming, though, than he was. And uh, and then he started getting into, like, Madden and stuff like that. So every now and then, we would still play games together, but it was, uh, yeah, it was around that time that we sort of had our own interests, I guess. <laughs> I'm a, an older brother, and the, the age difference between me and my sister is kind of like the same, six years. Oh, yeah, right on. And I remember being very annoyed by her <laughs> when she was younger. Yeah. She would, um, <laughs> he would destroy my stuff, right? <laughs> like, I remember yeah. I had a stash of uh, comic books and she she must have been a baby. She, she must have been like, I don't know, two or three years old. You know, maybe are crawling or taking first steps and just right. opening drawers and stuff like that. Yep. And she was really drawn to my comics and just like tearing them apart. <laughs> I remember being... And with video games... Um, I was trying to, you know, play a game. My sister was always there, like, trying to play the controller with me. Mm-hmm. And, and I, was, I, I wasn't I was a really, uh, like, kind brother. Like, it's, <laughs> it, it sounds like, like Sean was really protective and, like, you know. Uh, uh, ah, don't get me wrong. He had his moments. <laughs> we used to fight a lot, too. <laughs> but for and the most this, part, yeah. <laughs> there's this uh, picture that's, uh, that it's a, you know, printed picture, like, all times, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, and I saw it the other day, and it's me. I'm playing Super Mario Brothers, uh, and I have the controller in my hands. And my sister is is also with a controller on her hands, but the controller too is unplugged. <laughs> and so she thinks she's playing. Yeah, yeah, and it it breaks my heart. Like I I, I feel like I was such a mean brother. Like no. she has this face of innocence and like joy on the team, but not doing anything i don't that's know it's one of my great regrets so nah that's so he, fine. He, 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 he wasn't sure he like that right later no um i don't even he might have been but I, i've always had to sort of uh try harder i think because when you have an older mm-hmm. sibling you want to be them you want to do what they're doing mm-hmm. um so i used to play things over and over and over again because i thought that uh, i wanted to be as good as my brother yeah. but uh at some point, I don't I don't know when. I, like I 
was playing games that he wasn't. Like Mega Man, for example. He was never a big into the Mega Man series. I loved the Mega Man series. And but yeah. I used to keep dying and thinking I'm dying, but I know that Sean could do this, so I have to keep trying. I mean, that sort of pushed me, I guess. But I never felt like I was hindering his experience. Um, I mean, at least as late as when I had memories, I never felt like I was lagging behind. I'm sure I was though at some point at a very young age. Uh, I, but that would be a good question to ask him. <laughs> Do you remember like the first time you were like you beat him at a game? Um, like straight up, you were like better. Not really. We never really played that many competitive games, except for like Madden, and we could go toe to toe with each other on that. He was really good at it, of course. I only played it. I never, I never cared for for sports, but um, uh, it was a video game, and I was able to play it. So, <laughs> um, so that was fun playing those back and forth. But we never really competed that much. Um, the only time I can really think of was on the uh, charity stream when I beat him at uh, <laughs> Killer Instinct, which was pretty funny. Like I said before, like I might have been better at platforming games at some point in time. I don't remember when. I mean, I know I am now because he admits to himself, but uh, it was it was always like a difference of interest. I never felt like, oh, you can't beat this and I can kind of thing. It's just he was playing his own things and I was playing mine, I guess. What was the role of your of your gaming background at home uh, at school? You were able to make friends or were you alienated by... Um, your geeky interest. Well, <laughs> when you're a kid, like games are cool, right? So. Yeah, definitely. And here's the thing: is we moved around a lot when I was young. So I had three different elementary schools when I was really young, and every time I moved to a new school, it was talking about Mario. Yeah, that's uh, that was what, one thing we always had in common was uh, was Mario. So uh, anytime video games came up, that's usually how I made my new friends again because I had to keep making my friends over and over again. And it was usually centered around video games. That's sort of how it started. The base of all of my friendships going forward. Uh, and that sort of carried on forever. Yeah, so games has a social lubricant, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it was uh, helped me get through those uh, rough periods at the start of, of, of a move. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And were your social circles, they always revolve around video games early on um, or also later? Definitely, definitely early on. Um, there was a period where that started to shift a bit and I sort of left that group and and, and, sh and sort of uh, phased over into a different group who was more heavily into, into video games. Um, so in one way, shape or form, it was sort of always around games, yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. So you're mm. saying that growing up, you had a group of friends that were into games because that was like the kid thing to do. They grew out of games. Yeah. Somewhere in middle school. Like, yeah. Yeah. But you were still into games. So you kind of like looked for. Right. And while I was in that group of friends, we had other groups of friends who were sort of, you know, around and uh, who we were friends with. I was just my core group sort of shifted. So I switched my core group to another core group, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And that's how and it was that, going forward. When that happened, what kind of games were you playing? Uh, Final Fantasy VII was a, a big talking point, but it had already been out for a little while at that point, okay. if I remember correctly. But that's what sort of solidified it for me, that this is my group right here. They're talking about Final Fantasy VII. I can hear them, and I'm like, okay, I'm moving. I'm moving over there. And that sort of is, yeah, that was the jumping off point for sure, for sure. How was the transition for you? Like when games went 2D, platformers were like the big AAA productions, it was very sudden. It was from one year to the next. All of a sudden, yeah. it's like RPGs, 3D graphics, expansive yeah. worlds, such and such. Um, I mean, yeah, I didn't. I, I don't remember struggling. I remember when we got the sixty. We got the sixty-four before the PlayStation. I actually have a story behind that too. 
which mm-hmm. affected my psyche for the rest of my life. My parents had brought home the N64. This wasn't like on Christmas or anything. Um, it was just out in the trunk of the car. And my parents had come home after getting groceries. They said, um, Mark, can you come help us bring in the groceries? And I was playing a game or something. And I was like, no, no, I, I can't. I'm right in the middle of something. <laughs> so they got my brother. Do you come help us bring the groceries? So he went out. So he got to play first because he went out to help them <laughs> see the 64. So... So I was like, oh, my God, no, I, what, what have I done? So I stopped saying no to people for the longest time. It was, it was so hard for me to say no because I always went back to that moment um, mm. that I could be missing out on something here. So in a selfish way, I couldn't say no to people, which was really messing with my psyche. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, what was the question? <laughs> I just went down the Wait, wrong I, path. I, I want to go back to that because it's really interesting. So <laughs> okay. you say that you guys had the N64 before the PlayStation, right? Yes, yes, yeah. But the PlayStation came out at least a year before. Yeah, at right? least. It might have been two. So, so in school, you would hear, and every, every time you go out to Toys R Us <laughs> or whatever, you, you would see that these kinds of games are already out, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing is we... Uh, there was only one of my friends who ended up with the PlayStation first. Uh-huh. And, you know, he, was, he wasn't really one of the uh, my, my closest friends. So whenever I got to go over to their place, it was always a treat to see uh, Crash or something. I don't even know if Crash was out then. It was like games that I really didn't have that much interest in. So I never really felt like I was missing out. It wasn't until I seen Mario 64 coming that I was like, oh my gosh, I need to get one of these new consoles. And then it wasn't until I seen Final Fantasy 7 coming that I needed the PlayStation. That's what gave us the jump for the PlayStation. But all of my friends were still playing Super Nintendo. Um, some of them were playing PC, like Command and & Conquer and stuff like that. Uh, but nobody was nobody was really talking about early PlayStation, and it wasn't until Final Fantasy VII that I realized it was even should be on my radar. I just I just wrote it off. So, <laughs> it was pretty much if it's not Nintendo, I don't it, I don't really care. Um, I was never a Genesis guy or anything like that, so I didn't even pay attention until I seen one of my beloved Nintendo franchises, which was Final Fantasy, which I thought was going to be Nintendo forever, switching to the PlayStation. That's when I was sort of like, okay, we need to, we need to get one of these. So. PlayStation era, full on. You had a Nintendo 64. No. Did you guys make the full switch into PlayStation and those types of games in the later years? We had both in the house, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I always considered my 64 to be more like a party system. Uh, getting all okay. the Mario parties and stuff like that. GoldenEye was huge on it. We, we played a ton of GoldenEye. We used, I used to have my friends over all the time for that. Uh, I was Like I said before, I was really heavy into... Japanese role-playing games, so that's where a lot of my time was going to on the original PlayStation. So it was sort of a single-player experience was on my PlayStation, and anytime I had anybody over, we were breaking out the N64. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of how it went. And then the next generation comes, you guys went for for PlayStation 2? Uh, yes. We didn't do Dreamcast. We got a PS2. Once again, not right away. Actually, it might have been pretty. Actually, it was pretty early, yeah. Um, but 
I have I it's it's funny we we've talked about this on our show too. I don't have a fondness for the PS2. It's 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 held up as as one of the best systems of all time. A lot of people say it is the best system of all time, but I I wouldn't even put it in my top 4, maybe even top 5. Mm-hmm. There are very few games on that system that I remember fondly. So that system I sort of skipped over. We ended up with the GameCube as well which I had more of a fondness for it. But even then, this was during the generation that I sort of lost my way. I wasn't really feeling anything on these consoles. This is when I was jumping into MMOs and stuff like that um, because I wasn't... a bit of a PC gaming... Yeah, yeah, you're right. I switched more to PC at this point because I didn't didn't enjoy the the look of the PlayStation 2 um, and I wasn't really getting the same experiences that I had remembered and loved there no longer was there a solid platforming even on the gamecube the platformer was sunshine which i was never really a big fan of yeah it was just a weak generation for me and i know a lot of people are like that's crazy <laughs> but uh yeah it just wasn't there for me i kind of feel the same oh good <laughs> the six really is what the i, I often say what the normies fourth generation is to the third <laughs> oh, okay yeah. <laughs> the, yeah like that perfection of like 2d platforming yeah. those kinds of aesthetics of play yep th- that they couldn't really do really well in the fifth they did yeah. in the sixth yeah that's but fair the problem that's was fair. that in the fifth it was still a transition phase so there like some of the purer experience were there but i i feel like in the sixth that's really where like games turn into like you know software ish yeah. you know what i mean like yes yeah. news and it, it 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 really stopped being like something that that it was very intuitive like kid like intuitive like yeah. toys yeah i like see what you're saying yep third and four had this toy quality that i don't think it's bad at all and i think we're returning to those days in a, in in some ways user experience is better understood especially in games mm-hmm. now we have better interfaces but in the six it's a mess they love with memory cards and all that stuff <laughs> oh yeah that's right yeah yeah yeah, yeah but, tutorials this is when it all sort of started was right there <laughs> oh yeah anyway so <laughs> earlier on with it this this word association thing where i would say you know a thing and you would say a game now mm-hmm. let's do the opposite here a little bit with this generation okay. because I, I i feel it's important Okay. Like when you think of the PlayStation 2, and you already mentioned how you feel about it, but mm-hmm. what sort of memories does it bring regarding what were what was going on in your life? In my life, that's a good question. Um, I mean, this was high school for me mm-hmm. um, and shortly after kind of thing. I guess it was just a, I don't know, it was a busy time, I guess. Are those pleasant memories? This is the least favorite era of my life (laughs) do you think these memories you have about gaming in those times Mm. are linked to stuff that's happened in your life that's possible like i said i got pretty heavy in mmos i look back on those memories now as just a waste of my time my life i feel like i was distracting myself from um, growing up i guess Uh, i didn't want to make the right decisions so i was making these decisions and maybe that is tainting my view of the of the video game world at that time because of that i, I can't say for certain but uh yeah i just look back on that time in my life was so very unfondly <laughs> my question is because 
kind of like the same thing happened to me. If I look back in my life, mm-hmm. the area that I le- that I like the least yeah. in video games is it's also kind of like the era that I like the least about like <laughs> my own life. Interesting. Yeah, I know. You were telling me this, and I was like, maybe there's some sort of like psychological <laughs> yeah, link in here. I wonder. <laughs> because now when I go back and play those games, I still find them ugly, but I, it, it, they're not as bad as I remembered they were. Same here. Same here. Especially the GameCube. I, I ended up finding a lot of things that I liked on the GameCube, but I don't remember them fondly then. Yeah, to me, it was a little bit later on. It was actually on the seventh generation with the Wii and all that. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I, I practically know nothing about the Wii and the PlayStation 3. And oh, yes. That's like the biggest hole in my <laughs> in my knowledge. Link on the 6, I had, a, I, I had a GameCube and I was pretty active in those days. Oh, so that's good. I, I do like like um, like Luigi's Mansion is one of my favorite games. Yeah, it's a good game. Uh, I remember getting Smash that for Melee, Christmas. It's good. Mario yeah. Kart Double Dash. You know, all of those games. I, in my favorite game is from that era is uh, Wind Waker. That's uh, That was one of the games that maybe not like the generation, but... <laughs> Uh-huh. To be fair, I never gave it a fair shake, and like we were just discussing, I was probably writing off a lot of things because of my own disdain, not so much uh, the game's failures. Sort of a, a dark time, I guess you could say. It is a game that I have to revisit, no doubt no about it. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm not trying to convince you of, <laughs> of my theory. <laughs> it's just something that I, I've observed with, I mean, doing these exercises with other people Yeah, is that the overarching theme of this is how how video games affect people's like life experience. Yeah, and it's really interesting. It, it's very interesting to to see like when when people tell you about their their favorite games and their mm-hmm. what brings them like memories of joy and memories of like pleasant and unpleasant things. Yeah, it's often linked with what was going on with their lives. <laughs> That's so, fascinating, yeah. and it's so funny because the Wii and that generation is my rebirth into games. And I have a very fond memory of that generation now. But it was also when I was getting my life turned around and getting my life better. So it probably is all very correlated, like you were saying. You should get a grant from the government and do a research on this. Get a research team together and, uh, yeah, do some papers on this. <laughs> yeah, and very I can tell you, I to me, it was a little bit later. I got a Nintendo DS. Yep. It, it was during the 7th but a little bit later mm-hmm. and I remember that I spent a few years not playing like console games I was only like playing like emulator stuff yes yep and I remember like thinking that the DS was like the greatest thing ever <laughs> like the kinds of games in there yeah were, because if you follow just the console generations then you have this evolution towards like more and more and more and bigger and yes higher fidelity graphics and then at some point, th- that sort of continued, but then this branch opened where you have like mobile and handheld gaming. Yeah. And they went back. Yeah, right? you're they right. They went to re-explore all the 2D stuff that they truncated huh. because they went through uh, a different path, right? So That's a great point. If you, look at, if you look at the games on the Game Boy Advance and the Nintendo DS, um, you see games that feel very innovative, but they're using like technology that was already available like 10 years before. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Except that Nintendo DS have touch controls, but that's just more like interfacing. But in terms of like graphics and the, and the gameplay aesthetics. Right. Um, it was old school. Are more, are, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it resembles more like what I liked when I was younger. With mobile, it's kind of like the same. Although in mobile now, it's taking its own identity. It has. And it's funny that you mentioned that. That is originally why I got the DS. Um, 
was to recapture that. And I got it l- uh, late in the game. It wasn't until the light was already out. Um, I wasn't even paying attention to it. And then somebody said, you got to look at these games. And that is probably why I got it. When I realized I could play Mario 64, first of all, on the go, I was like, oh my God, why don't I have this? And, uh, and that's what got me looking at it. And yeah. <laughs> in in the story of, of that you were telling, mm-hmm. now you are like a young adult. Yeah. You're having a rebirth yeah. in terms of gaming. And, and this is really interesting because at this point, if during your teenage years and like people are growing out of video games and stuff like that, like mm-hmm. being an adult with this hobby, mm-hmm. and it's, it's not even a hobby for us. It's more like it's part of us, right? It's part yeah. of our identity. It's like how yeah. how has that been for you being an adult in an adult world, having adult jobs, you know, <laughs> you know, a life. That's a that's a great point. Um, do you share this with other like normie people? Or? I do not. Uh, the only person mm-hmm. who really knows about this is my brother. I mean, outside of my family, but my brother is my best friend now. Um, yes. He is the only one I really share any of this with. I don't talk about this at all at work or anything like that. Nobody knows about the club at work. <laughs> The place where I spend most of my time, nobody knows about any of that. Yeah, and that's kind of the way it's been. But my uh, my now wife, I introduced her to it. I should have started with her, I guess. She was the first person outside of my brother. Because my brother also got out of gaming. And it wasn't until uh, the PlayStation 3 area, the Wii era, sorry, that uh, he got back into it too. I got back into it and I sort of showed it to him, showed him what we've been missing kind of thing. Um, and he got back into it. But during this time, I was also with my now wife. Um, and all this sort of all happened again. It was like... Anyway, so those are the core people who I talk about this. I do not discuss video games with people outside of that core group. There's nobody at my work who um, is into the same sort of stuff as I am. Then friends have, have moved on, and I don't think any of them play anymore. Mm-hmm. But other adults, I, I would assume, they talk about like movies and books and music and all that kind of stuff. And why do you think that in the adult world of these times, yeah, being that when we were kids, it was so popular, yeah. Why do you think there is this discrimination? That's a great against qu- the question. I, I work with a lot of older people too. I'm I'm one of the youngest people in my area at work um so that could be a contributing factor but you're right it still has a stigma attached to it video gaming and uh i don't know why i mean it's hard for us to understand people like us i guess but it is still there and i don't know i wish it wasn't but hey i think it has to do a little bit with how um, when we were kids Mm -hmm. like older people weren't playing video games it's true so it's in your mind that I'm older now. I that, shouldn't play. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Maybe for the newer generation is different. Especially, like, I, I've done this with younger people. Yeah. This this sort of same same exercise. Yeah. And they have very different views about this, right? Interesting. Because for them, it's more normalized. Yeah, it's just second us, nature. Right? Yeah. Hmm. I think it has to do with the internet. I think it has to do with internet a lot. Because hmm. we grew up when the internet wasn't mainstream. Yeah, I know. I remember getting AOL discs in the mail being excited got my free uh three-hour trial or whatever it was what was that for you like when when the internet became like this huge thing oh my gosh in terms of like gaming and discovering like this battle it was uh it was BattleNet. it was starcraft that uh first it was diablo the original diablo i was told you can go online with and i'd already loved diablo they're like you can go online with this and i was like oh my and it blew my mind um Mm -hmm. this was also right around when starcraft was coming out 
And uh, StarCraft is what got me into the internet. Um, I used to pop in those AOL discs we would get in the mail just to play StarCraft. And you couldn't, if somebody turned the, picked up the phone, you would lose your internet connection. <laughs> and I used to be so frustrating to get disconnected in a match. But that was my earliest uh, internet memories. And yeah, that's that's sort of when it started my shift over to PC gaming, as I guess, too, was and I guess that all does come down to Internet, making it so you can connect with people, I guess, playing the same games. I mean, in those early days of the Internet, I discovered this game called Tibia. It's an old MMO. Mm-hmm. It's 2D. I hadn't experienced anything like it before. Yeah. And as you said, right, we have these dial-up connections. <laughs> and during the day, like in the in the olden days, like phones were much more present in people's lives. Oh, yeah. Especially like, like landlines, right? They will use it for anything. And I remember being very frustrated because I couldn't like, play <laughs> the game. Because it's an MMO, right? So it requires you to put the time on yeah, it. Yeah, constantly. So yeah. I never used to do this before, but... Um, then I, I found myself playing, uh, during the night. Yeah. When everybody go, goes to sleep, so nobody's going to use the phone. <laughs> yeah. Those are the best so times. I used, <laughs> so I used to play like, that was like my first, like all uh, that I pulled an all nighter playing the game was uh, playing Tibia. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and it's just a grind, right? Go yeah. there to a dungeon or a cave or whatever. And you're trying to just to yes. accumulate resources and stuff like that. And there is this... <laughs> very strange compulsion to keep doing it right yes and, ah, and trust me i know all too much <laughs> it's both you know new technologies coming and the re-exploration of certain aesthetics like because those types of aesthetics were still were already present like in old school rpgs yeah but all of a sudden when you put this pervasive layer on top you know multiplayer and everything is live yes it becomes so strong right it does uh i don't, I don't know how it's just for some reasons the fact that somebody else can see that you've done something i guess can tell yeah. what level you are it, it matters more i don't know why <laughs> and i think it's because you don't want to be like left behind right yeah because you're, in you're probably R- right in rpg you turn off the game and that's it right yep. you know that when you turn it on again yep. you're gonna pick it up where what it started but the moment you stop playing <laughs> an mmo yeah you it's in the back of your mind right? yeah that this thing's still going and you're being left behind <laughs> I remember feeling that way with Diablo 2 as well. And mm-hmm. When it first came out and uh, people were getting tons of something, especially when, if one of your friends got something and you're like, oh my gosh, I have to get on. I have to get something close to that at least. Um, the feeling of being left behind is is real. <laughs> I know. Like it's, it's the worst when you, you put up a bunch of effort to get like a new shiny sword. Yeah. And then you got the coolest sword yeah. from within your circle. You log off, you log in the next day or the next or whatever, and then all of your friends have better equipment than you. And it's like, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. I can't even think about those. Oh, my gosh. It's so easy to get sucked back into it, too. You just, oh, yeah. And in, in Tivia, they had this system where you, I don't know how it is in, in the games that you play, but in this game, if you died, you will lose everything. And you will lose, like, two oh, levels. Of wow. Oh, you yeah. You can go and find... You could go and find your body and pick yeah. up your stuff, but you would lose like experience and stuff. Yeah. And I remember when I died uh, a couple of times in, in in that game when where I was, I had a good run. Yep. Man, those were those are like my first memories of feeling like like rage. You yeah. know what I mean? Like this this regret feeling that yes. I, I haven't really felt outside. <laughs> your palms <laughs> are sweating. Uh, EverQuest was me and my brother uh, was our first MMO. 
and it was the same way you can de-level you can lose experience you can de-level you lose all of your gear until you get back to it um yeah it's a terrible feeling (laughs) (laughs) so what happened to me was that i always knew that i wanted to make games right yeah so I was lucky to get a job in the industry and because it's really hard to to get in sometimes. Yeah, I've so heard in that. a way I I channeled that into like okay, I'm a professional. So talking about games with other people like with normies and adults <laughs> adults in general like, you know, the actual society right. is to me is like normal, right? Because I I shield myself saying, well, I'm a game designer. Yeah, right? that's a good I, point. I live it, it is it is sort of sort of a perk, right? Because of how video games are seen in in society, right? Yeah. So you say, I work in such and such, and you know, yeah, that's that's my livelihood. But you're saying that for you is sort of this this thing where you you keep it hidden. Yeah, right? and it's it's funny uh, because I literally have moved my stuff into a closet now. Um, and it's sort of always been that way <laughs> to the public eye. I've sort of kept it in the closet. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's just the way it's always been. I, but, I can't shake it. But I would say that not really, because now you have this platform that you've created. Yeah. So that's why this is, that's probably the biggest reason me and my brother were playing Final Fantasy four for like the hundredth time together. And, uh, we th- we said, wouldn't it be cool if we had other people to talk about this with? And that is why the club started was was from that one conversation, and then we uh, took you, took it from there. <laughs> you've told this story, and I and I know this story, but I think there's a, a bit more to it. Okay, like what was like the background? Because you you just don't do something, right? Like, for <laughs> yeah. example, this morning I, I was out doing errands, right? Yeah. yeah, and I bought myself a a coffee bean grinder, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I bought myself some coffee beans. Like a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, I, I didn't drink any coffee. Yeah. Right? <laughs> oh, really? Wow, so that's new. I didn't have the taste for it. But then like a friend of mine like took me to this coffee shop once and I was like, no, I don't drink coffee. He said, no, this is really good. Like <laughs> you, you haven't had coffee like this. And I tried it and it was true. Like I, I, I was like, oh, there are types of different yeah. So Got to mix coffees, it up. Right? Nice, nice. There, there are good ones and there are bad ones. And I started trying, uh, uh, making coffee and 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 now I I literally made my first cup of coffee. <laughs> wow, that's amazing! Well, congratulations. An hour, <laughs> an hour ago. Oh my god, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I have a funny story this... behind my coffee addiction too. I never liked coffee at all um, uh-huh. until I met my now wife. I pretended to like coffee because she loved coffee. And I pretended to like it to take her out on like a coffee date, and uh, and I ever since then <laughs> I've I've had to keep up the appearance, and then I got addicted to it. Now I'm hooked on it. So <laughs> that that is my experience with coffee. <laughs> so in this analogy, yeah. like me buying the coffee grinder, because it, it's a huge thing, right? It's a thing that you're gonna bring home, mm-hmm. that you're gonna spend money, and it's gonna occupy space that yes. otherwise could be occupied by some other thing and such and such. And such. Yes, yes. So in this analogy, the coffee grinder will be the club like making <laughs> the club is this huge enterprise you're going to spend time you're going to find resources you're going to you know the, all these things but behind that like how did you guys like thought of this like how why was it an option why was it an option to make a club because i i would never have thought of like i'm we're gonna make like a club you know what i mean um 
I, I don't know. I, I never really thought about it. Back before we had the club, we had a uh, YouTube channel. My brother, ah. my brother was uh, <laughs> pl- uh, playing Final, F- or sorry, Mass Effect Three. He had just finished Mass Effect Three. Um, I'm pretty sure it was three. Yeah, three. Everybody online was going on about uh, the ending of Mass Effect Three, mm-hmm. and he was he couldn't believe it. So I showed him. I think it was Angry Joe, his video, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was like, look at, and I was like, look at how many views this guy has. And it was from that moment. He were like, well, we could do videos. And I showed him Johnny Millennium from uh, Happy Console Gamer. And I was like, J- Johnny just talks about games that he loves. And uh, if you look back at his fa- uh, Fantasy Star video, that was like his first one. Nobody talks about Fantasy Star. Back then, nobody was talking about Fantasy Star. And he was the first one to do it. I thought, or we both thought together we could do this. this. This could be fun. This could be something we could do together. We could talk about things nobody else is talking about. That's why our first video up, or my first review, was of Twisted Tales of Spike McFang. It's terrible. The review is dreadful, and it's full of grammatical errors. Like it's just bad. But I left it up anyway. But uh, it's because it was nobody was talking about it. Nobody had a review up for Twisted Tales of Spike McFang. So we thought, okay, let's do that. Um, and so we ran with that idea for a while. And that was fine, and everything was good, and and we uh, met some friends doing that. But then we thought, uh, how could we talk more? And that's sort of why we were talking about. Nobody's really talking about. Well, how can we get more people to talk about the same games that we're talking about? Because um, you can only, you only had so much limited interaction on YouTube. Um, so we wanted something more than that. This is when we were first getting into uh, Twitter as well. In fact, if you go back and look at my very first one of my very first tweets, I don't know. It might be the first actually. It was a Final Fantasy IV tweet, and this was before the club was even conceived. Um, but it was that game and it was that month that we were talking about the club. So it's kind of cool to have that history um, in, in Twitter form. <laughs> but did, did you or Sean have some sort of background video editing or? No, no, know, nothing like that. Media or anything like that. You just saw it and you said, you guys said, oh, we could do this. Yeah, <laughs> that was it. Uh, nothing, <laughs> nothing, no, no history. <laughs> well, we, we both took drama class in high school. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I guess that helps. I guess. Although, if you look at our earliest videos, I clam up every time the camera got turned on. I clam up like I got nervous. I, I didn't know what to say. I just wouldn't say anything. It was bad. <laughs> now I don't care so much, but back then, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so you had some experience, you know, trying to produce some content. Yeah. Before making the clip. Yeah, yeah. We had our Cartridge Bros YouTube channel, um, mm-hmm. which is still up there. You can still access it. Um, that was before the cartridge club existed. Yeah. And back, back then we used to use our channel because we had some subscribers, you know, we weren't huge or anything. Um, but we used to use our channel, our YouTube channel to promote the club. So we used to have like an announcement trailer for when we announced for what the next game of the month would be. That's where we would announce it. We didn't have cartridgeclub.org then we had cartridge bros on YouTube. So that's where people would find out if uh, what the next game of the month would be. And we'd have a little trailer with a little skit. And uh, and then we would do like a mid-month update of how we are doing on that game of the month. So people would watch the video and see how we were doing. So this, at the start, it was still the YouTube channel was the focus. And the club was going to be a side shoot. And at some point we said, okay, enough with the channel. Let's just focus on the club. And that's when the club got really big. I shouldn't say really and- big, but bigger. But what does that mean? So you said, we're going to make this club then. So we were still making our videos, um, but we just wanted more way to interact with the people who we met online, who who we wanted to be friends with, essentially. And Uh and through the YouTube channel, unless you put up a video, there was no way to really interact with anybody. 
So we wanted another way to do that. And that's sort of where the club came. So we thought the club would always be an offshoot of the channel, but it ended up being yeah. the opposite and ended up overtaking that completely. Now we don't upload pretty much anything to the YouTube channel. What was step one? Um, After the decision, of course. Uh, I don't, we had to, well, we already had, like I said before, some friends from YouTube. So we were like, okay, let's see if we can get some of our friends who want to do this with us, who want to uh, be on the first episode and play through this month. Um, <laughs> it's so weird to think back then. But anyway, um, the first episode too, I don't know if you ever listened to episode one of the Cartridge Club, but uh, it's a link to the past. It is, it's hard to listen. Uh, once again, I was pretty clammed up. I was pretty nervous. Um, I, I, I actually have a lot of social anxiety um, mm -hmm. that I've gotten over a lot since then. But, uh, man, was I hard to get me to talk on those podcasts at the start. How did you guys decide that it was going to be a podcast? Uh, that was probably due to all-gen gamers. I was really, really into all-gen gamers at that time. And, uh, and I was jealous of the way that they could interact with their listenership and how everybody was sort of a big group over there at the Pete's Game Room Forum. And, uh, and I thought, well, why don't we do that? We'll have a club where uh, we all play the same game. And at the end, me and, Sean, me and my brother will have a podcast and we invite a couple of those people on. And that's how we will spark these conversations to will then, then be longer friendships um, so that we can com keep communicating with new and new more people. Um, yeah, so that's that's sort of that's sort of where it was. So that's why it needed to be a podcast. Was it's just another way for people to interact, I guess. And are there like people from way back that are still in the club? Like, oh yeah, the Carter's Club first gen. Yeah, well, actually, on episode two, um, was Dean like round two gaming was on episode two way back when. Uh, -huh. uh so was Kevin buried on Mars. He does uh, the Retro Fandango podcast now. Um, who else was on that? Uh, Darren from the Gaming Pilgrimage was the uh, third guest on that. And he's still around, too. And he's still in the club. Um, yeah. So you can go back to almost all of them. And at least somebody from that podcast is still around today. No, but I mean pre-club. Pre like those oh. friends that, that, that you had on YouTube, that those were the ones that, that you contacted first, I guess. Yeah. Right? Um, are, are they still around? I don't remember who came from back then. Retro Jay was one of them. I mean, we still talk to him on Twitter every now and then, but he's not really a part of the club. He went off and sort of did his own thing. But uh, we still talk to him on Twitter and things, but he's not really in the club. Who else was on that podcast? Sean's friend in real life, Nick, was on it. I thought there was another person, though. Was PC Wizard on that one? PC Wizard, I think, might have been on that first one. And he's still uh, he's still on in the club and everything, but he uh, he's sort of doing his own thing, too. Those are the people that we knew before it. And everybody else sort of came after um, and they came organically? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just through word of mouth. Um, mm -hmm. Like Vintage Video Game Geek and NES Complex used to have a uh, a podcast. And they showed us showed us out on either the first or second episode. So a lot of the people that were on episode two heard us, got to us from that. So it was just from things like that. Word of mouth. Back in the day, that's how you, the only way to get big was through another person shouting you out. In fact, we used to do broat, broat outs, bro it's like shout out, but it's for bros anyway, because <laughs> we were the bros. Anyway, it was really lame, but uh, we used to do that. We used to do shout outs every now and then. Um, but nowadays, you don't really see anything like that. So it's kind of sad, I guess. Yeah, it's changed a lot. Yeah. But I, I think podcasting is where it's at right now for yeah, like, I agree. smaller creators. Because right now, like YouTube is like maybe a few years ago, you could like put up, put yeah. stuff up. But now is 
all about visibility and yeah it is it's all about shock value and stuff like that now and it's it's just not the same as it used to be yeah there's a lot of people and then also like even the the long-time creators are are struggling a little bit yeah it's true so do you have like inspirations from well you already mentioned some but when you yeah that that inform your podcasting style rather um my podcasting style. Ooh. Oh, Kyle Bosman from uh, mm-hmm. Easy Allies now. Um, he The way that he moderates is how I like to try and moderate. I've, I'll never be able to be as good as him at it, but that is how I try to do it when we do our shows. How would you describe it? Um, he's just concise. He, he, he tries to keep things moving along. And back in the day, I, I, I sucked at it. <laughs> and it wasn't until I was really listening to him that I started tightening it up a little bit. We used to have like three and four hour episodes. It, it was crazy. Um, now it's down to more like an hour and a half to two at the longest, uh, which is a big drop. Um, but yeah, and he just likes to keep make sure everybody's interacting. Everybody's getting a fair chance to speak. Um, that kind of thing. That's, that's, that's what I think is most important. And I want to I wanna bring things home okay (laughs) (laughs) let's bring it let's bring it back to bonus barrel okay yeah so so could you tell the story that of of how that happened about bonus barrel yeah like how did it it oh my gosh okay part of your so first of all bonus barrel showed up on the cartridgeclub.org website at at some point in time and i had no idea where it came from i think dean um, was the one that brought you guys over originally but i didn't know anything about it and I hadn't talked to Dean about it or anything. It just showed up there. And I was like, who are these bonus barrel guys? And my brother was like, oh, it's just uh, another contributor on the site. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And that was fine. And I just went about my business. And one time I got into Sean's car and he was listening to bonus barrel. And I was like, ah, I don't want to listen to these guys. Just turn this off. I already had too many podcasts going on. I was like, I don't have time to listen to another podcast. But wait, what was that uh, first impression of that glimpse that you had? There? It sounded just like... Um, couple guys sitting around chatting and uh <laughs> and i was like all right yeah i don't care let's just move on here okay, um okay and it took it wasn't until uh gt time closed out like when game trailers went down and that was kyle bosman's show and i was like oh my gosh and that was a big part of my life like they were my top podcast my brother was gone away at sale he was in the navy so he was gone away um and so the only thing really keeping me going, because like I said before, I don't really have a connection to the gaming world unless it's through the club, in which case I was trying to run the Game of the Month podcast at the time without him. So I was kind of trying to keep it together. Um, so I and my only outlet was this podcast, that which is now being canceled and I'm listening while it's happening and I'm just like broken. I was like, oh, my gosh. So I needed something to fill that void. So I thought, OK, I'm going to try an episode of Bonus Barrel out. I'll give it a try and just maybe it'll be good enough for me to to uh to listen to <laughs> and i put it on and then i was hooked and i went back and listened to every single episode um and then wait 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 yeah so maybe i missed something here yeah why was it bonus barrel chosen um, okay so i wanted a f- something that felt like gt time which was just a couple of guys sitting around on a couch and then right. i it was that moment that i remembered hey that's that's what bonus barrel is if i remember correctly because i only had a brief glimpse at it which was just that moment in the car with my brother and and at that point were you already listening to all the other podcasts in the club uh there wasn't as many as there is nowadays i think it was just like you guys uh us retro fandango i think was still around then i mean they have never really left but i'm pretty sure they were then um yeah so in terms of the club there wasn't that many at all so finding a new find a new podcast was hard 
mm-hmm. uh, especially one that you wanted to relate to the people to. So then I was like, okay, I'll try it out, and I, I ended up falling in love with it, as as you know. <laughs> Which episode do you think was the first one? Oh, I uh, shoot, I can. I what, might have even like the newest one. I'm. It might have been the newest one at the time. Yeah. Because what I used to do with all gen gamers when I first picked up all gen gamers, there were already like seventy episodes in. So I would listen to the new one when it came out, and during the week while I waited for it to come out, I would listen to the old ones. Um, so I'm guessing I was doing the same thing with Bonus Barrel. I see. Um, yeah, that's probably how it was. And what got you? What got me hooked was just the the chemistry, which was the same reason I liked GT Time, the same reason I liked All Gen Gamers, um, just the the chemistry, the relatability. Um, yeah, it just felt like it was people that I could be sitting in a room talking with. And, uh, and then, what did you have? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Literally have now. So that's a pretty amazing. <laughs> Aren't they great people? Oh, they are. They're amazing. I wish you could have been there and left. I wish everybody could have been there, to be honest. Even bring Marshall. Mm-hmm. I don't care. Yeah, I'm always amazed. I'm always amazed because they are very different than me. Like Rob, working with him in, in, in the office and, and, and interacting with him outside of it, he's like super like sociable like yeah he's, he's very jokes, charismatic he's making, yeah like yeah. i have been in rooms with a lot of people with over a hundred people and yeah. rob is like firing jokes and making everyone in the room like <laughs> laugh like, i believe that i believe like that, that. <laughs> that's something that i could never do right and 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 shelby's just like the friendliest girl ever right yeah she is super friendly that the pair of them were ah man it would have been awesome if you had been there too and left mm-hmm. it would have been awesome to have everybody there but uh those two amazing and, and and it was weird because it just like felt like i was chatting with people who i've known forever you know it was just felt normal yeah so, so i would love to get yeah. the back around behind uh the start of that too was it just it was just you and rob at the start right did that pilot episode ever come out i can't remember if it did which pilot no 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 game bobo i i, I don't know where it is <laughs> I, I man i would rob... love to get my hands on that so what what happened is that we worked at the same place yeah and so he will come very often to our section of the office and probably had amiibos around or something because <laughs> I, at, at, at the time I was really into that. Yeah. So yeah. probably like saw the amiibos or something or games that I was like I was buying or whatever. And then we started talking about games and retro games and stuff like that. And, <laughs> and even though it's a game industry, and I think we've mentioned this, mm-hmm. um, most people, of course, they play games and it's normal for right. them, but it's, they're not like into like the heavy stuff like, yeah once you get into like the retro stuff you know that people are serious right right yeah, i do remember you guys talking about this too yeah and uh we started talking and i mentioned that i like such and such creator and i don't know like one day we went to a game hunt we had a fun <laughs> doing that like going on game hunts with rob is pretty fun i bet <laughs> <laughs> Because everything's an option, right? Yeah. Like, I only like the small stuff that I like. Right? Me but too. Rob likes everything. Right? <laughs> it would be more fun to be around, for sure. Yeah, yeah, so he's picking, like, games from different eras and systems, and, and, and he has very specific um, <laughs> idea of what he wants. But yeah. at the same time, he wants everything. It's, it's really interesting. <laughs> that would be fun. That's the kind of person Whether, you want to go shopping with. <laughs> yeah. Whether me is like, ah, uh, what's the Nintendo stuff, right? Like, yeah, uh, me too. I hear you. <laughs> And uh, we decided to to do it, and it wasn't planned at all. I opened my laptop, and and we just started recording. Now, what made you want to do that? What were you guys listening to at the time? I was doing like gaming historian, video game nerd, game sack, all those guys. And Rob, there there was an overlap, 
with uh, Metal Jesus Rocks. Yes, yeah, yeah. Very different styles. And, and I remember uh, talk, uh, saying to Rob, I, I think there's there's something lacking here. I think uh, people don't talk about developers that much. People don't 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 talk about what we live on a day-to-day basis. Like when you hear gamers talking and criticizing games or talking about like, oh, why don't they do this? And what do they do? Like, like it's easy, right? Yeah, when yeah. You, you're making a game. A lot of the, the decisions, there, there's no time. Right, there's yeah. no time to make those decisions. Nobody's making those decisions. It's true. That's very. It's very executive. That's a very right. interesting perspective. That, but that you're right. I don't hear about it at all, really. Yeah, to us, I mean, when you go to the office on a on a regular day, it's like you have this very specific problem, and you have a set of tools, and you have to try to to solve the problems that you need to solve in order to hit your target. But you are developing a game for a year, two years, three years. The pre-production happens really, really early on and only a select group of people is involved. Oh, and wow. then from there on, people just have to do it. And it takes a long time to make a game, right? So sure, imagine yeah. like <laughs> people are saying, why don't they do this? Because this is what I want to play, right? <laughs> yeah. What they're really saying is that they want it right now. Yeah, you're right. But... In four years, it'll be something else. <laughs> In four or five years, like <laughs> you start making a game right now and it's a game of a certain scope, it's going to take five years. In five years, I don't know what you, wanna, what what you want. That's funny. I never really thought about it. Like think about this. The games that are going to play this year. Yeah. They feel super modern. Yeah. It started pre-production probably five years ago. Yeah, you're like right. In, in 2013. Do you remember what you wanted in 2013? No. <laughs> <laughs> so... No. It's very different when you see it from this side because there's a lot of frustration. Like I completely understand what they what they're saying, but it's like, hey, we're just doing what we can, <laughs> and and really, you have to admire like the good developers out there. Like that's why Nintendo, from when when you see it from my side, it's yeah. even more impressive because it's just one after another and after another like great game. Yeah, it's you're right. Extremely hard to do, but anyway, that's a topic for a different. That's interesting though. Different day, I like what do you see the club going yourself your life ah it's it's been five years i and my brother are are taking a break i think is the best way to describe it um he's going away on a sale we're passing off the game of the month to uh two very capable members ryan and uh and musty but uh yeah i'm I'm hoping it just keeps going and i think it's only going to get bigger and bigger um and it's it's gonna get better because me and my brother have been doing this like i said since the beginning um and now that we're taking a step back we're gonna see what happens we're gonna see what it's like without us just sort of being around um because i'm sure we've gotten pretty stagnant <laughs> pretty stale so it'd be nice to see some fresh uh fresh cake something so yeah i'm excited i'm also looking forward to my break <laughs> for this episode of Bonus Bonus Barrel. Next week on the main show, a very special episode where we, for the first time, review a Final Fantasy game. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.